This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your live show here on Twitch, 11 a.m. Pacific Center Time. And for those of you joining us live, we just did a miraculous costume change because apparently uh, yellow was too close to green on the old color wheel, and I was partially invisible. Yeah, they call them green screens for a reason, Reese. Because you're not supposed to wear green, not yellow. However, as most of us learned in, like, first grade... Yellow is a part primary of color? It's, it's, of green. it's half of green. That's why I was half invisible, I think. Science. <laughs> uh, at any rate, for those of you who want to join us for the live show, it's 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Frontline Gaming underscore TV over at Twitch. And for those of you who listen to us via iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or watch us on YouTube, thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Drop us a comment. Tell us that we're handsome and that not only our mother thinks that we're cool because, you know, my mommy thinks I'm cool, Reese. Mine too. You know, at least I got one in our uh, bullpen there. That's yeah, true. Uh, all right, so let's jump in. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, as always, the show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. Pick up an FLG mat, some ITC terrain, some Games Workshop product at a discount with free shipping options within the continental United States. And speaking of which, this week's uh, new release is Necromunda, a new box set called Dark Uprising. It features... A savage cult uprising in the 41st millennium. Yeah, and, and so uh, there's also a lot of like uh, Zone Mortalis uh, uh, boxes as well. And I do see a lot of people buying them. They're really popular right now. Yeah. Um, and as always with these box sets, they do tend to sell out or go out of stock occasionally. Um, in the past, they have with certain ones. So don't wait. Go to Frontline Gaming Door and get that box set as soon as possible because it is really popular. Yeah, it sold more than I would have anticipated, to be quite frank. But the models are amazing. You know, it's uh, got these crazy psychopath cultists and then uh, they're being met with extreme police brutality from space cops. I mean, what's not to like about that? It's that Judge Dredd in there. I should have uh, predicted the popularity more. <laughs> but very cool. And then, uh, of course... Uh, you can get those at a discount, but uh, next week's pre-order is going to be very exciting as well. And we're going to jump in and talk about that because, whoo, Sisters of Battle, baby, in plastic. It's been a long, long wait, you know, 20-something years. Uh, the first Sisters of Battle Codex came out hilariously at the very end, like a month before <laughs> second edition turned into third edition. Oh, yeah. If you want to talk about upsetting your customers... Uh, the Sisters of Battle Codex came out at the very, very end of second edition, and then third edition came out hot on the heels of it, and it was like the transition from second edition to third edition was like a different game. Yeah. And then they got uh, PDF. Uh, and- that was that was before P. Oh, right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Then that was it. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so Sisters of Battle have been always kind of like in this like gray area of not really being a full faction but you know kind of always being a faction and it's really cool to see that they're getting the full treatment but before we talk about that let's talk a little bit about the black templars we're coming in faith 
Faith and Fury, which is the uh, uh, next Psychic Awakening supplement. I wish we could say more about it. There's so much. This supplement has a ton of stuff. Uh, I think it's a lot more interesting than uh, Blood of the Phoenix, personally. Blood of the Phoenix was really cool. Uh, had a lot of, uh, obviously, Eldari information. Azriani, whatever. Harlequins, Drukari, everybody. But uh, this one covers a lot more territory. And uh, I think it's going to have a much bigger impact on the meta. Uh, again, Blood of the Phoenix was cool. And if you're an Eldar of any flavor player, you got something except for Harlequins. <laughs> Sorry, true. Space Clowns. Uh, this one is going to have a much bigger impact, I think. Um, as we hinted at in a previous episode, uh, Chaos Space Marines are getting a lot of love. Um, you know, it's take it, you know, temper your expectations. It is not a codex. Right, it's a supplement, but it's gonna have a big, big impact. Um, and then obviously Black Templars is something we can go into depth about here because GW previewed it in the last couple of days on the Warhammer community page. And they're another kind of faction of 40K that's really, they had their big heyday back in the fourth and they've just sort of been weird kind of quasi chapter ever since. So, But they're so popular though. It, that, that's yeah. one of the things about Black Templars that I've noticed, not just from the secondhand shop, but also just in general with interacting with players. There's tons of players who I know who have a Black Templars army that they're just waiting. They're like, oh, Black Templars are amazing, but their rules are kind of, you know. Hmm. It's... It's strange, right? Like they had their heyday way back when they were introduced with the uh, uh, the first or second war for Armageddon, mm -hmm. right? They came out with rules for salamanders and like all this stuff, and they were really unique and they're really really good, right? Back in uh, three point five fourth edition, that that whole era, um, they were they came out in like this like mini little supplement that gave them all the rules, and they were very strong. And then the idea of like crusading knights is awesome i think anybody anyone who's playing this game is also at least somewhat of a history nerd and the idea of an army of space knights superhuman space knights is really cool plus the color scheme is amazing right the black white you can never go long, wrong with black white and red it's just such a good color scheme and all like the the knights templar iconography and stuff it's just awesome yeah like emperor's it, champion yeah the whole thing is it's a cool package i'm surprised uh, frankly, the Games Workshop hasn't leaned into it more over the years because there's a, a very loyal and large player base. And if they really pushed it, it could be way, it could be one of the most popular chapters by, without question, right? Like in my mind, there's no question they would, they would be. So it's neat to see that they're getting um, all this attention in the supplement. Hopefully it lives up to expectations of Black Templar players that have been so patiently waiting for so very long because uh, they've basically got their their one they had their one actual codex and that was pretty much in i think that was in fourth or fifth edition uh after the the armageddon book yep, the nice soft mm -hmm. cover book and then hilariously when that book was actually uh competitively pretty good was it was a shooting version of the army uh in fifth edition which is hilarious because space wolves at the time were the same way two of what were supposed to be the melee chapters were actually really shooting armies Hey, well, taking a look at the new rules, I think that their uh, GW is going to be a lot closer to the mark this time. So first of all, let's take a look at the Black Templars, uh, you know, chapter chapter tactic, righteous zeal. Uh, when a charge roll is made for a unit with this tactic, you can reroll any or all of the dice. A lot works. In addition, <clears throat> in addition, when a model with this tactic will lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound on a D6, uh, roll a D6 on a five up. You don't. That's a lot better than uh, I think people are giving it credit for. 
Rerolling charge rolls, any or both, either or both of the dice is amazing, obviously. Uh, and ignoring mortal wounds on a 5 plus is actually quite strong. Now, is it as good as the Iron Hands or something like that? Probably not. But it's this comes up so much more frequently than you would think it does, right? Sniper weapons. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in the game right now that do mortal wounds in addition to normal damage. Or just psychic powers, right? So it's nice. It's just a, it's a nice little bonus, and it helps get you into combat. Pretty cool. Knights of Sigismund, uh, while the Assault Doctrine is active, and th this is their super their super doctrine um, when you go pure Black Templars, and uh, this is, would be the equivalent of, say, the White Scars, what they get. So you have to go to the Assault Doctrine, aut automatically not as good as the other ones for the same reason that the White Scars is in this. You have to wait till turn three. Um, when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a Black Templar's model with this ability against a unit that is not a vehicle in a turn in which that model target model made a Charge move or perform a horror convention on a six, um, you automatically wound the target. Now, that is really good. It's extremely strong. That's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's extremely strong. And the reason why, obviously, is you're taking out one whole degree of variability out of the equation, yeah. right? It's the same reason flamers, right? The same reason flamers have a very strong advantage in that they auto hit. This is taking out the wound rule. And the, the higher the toughness of your target, the more powerful this is. Yes. Not, not only that, but Marines lost their ability to reroll wound rolls for all attacks. Uh, Gilliman was previously the only way they could do that. And so now Marines have wide access to reroll all hit rolls. So now you can go into something like a Knight or some sort of really tough character with uh, any unit of Marines and just reroll all the dice, all everything that isn't a six. Yeah. And you just fish for sixes and get a bunch of automatic AP1 wounds to the model that, that is crazy it's really powerful it's, it's very very strong now uh is it as good as the white scars version of it uh, i don't know but i think they're comparable and it, like is it like you were or like pablo was saying it really depends on what you're attacking and like a cool trick is give them plus one to hit which is pretty easy to do nowadays and then like like you were saying reroll everything like maximize your odds of getting as many sixes as possible especially if you're going against something with high toughness like a knight yeah. Right, because then you you don't, you just eliminate the next step. Yeah, it um, is an unmodified six roll that you need to roll, but that plus one to hit does help with the second roll. Because if you're rerolling all your ones through fives, if you're hitting on twos, you'll still get a lot of hits in on the on the rerolls. Thank well. thank you for clarifying. That is what I was in. I, well, that's what I was trying to say. I wasn't yeah. saying like, oh, you're gonna get the result on fives or sixes. You just increase the odds that you're gonna get almost as many hits as you would have, but double or, you know, almost as many. Almost twice as many sixes Yes. Uh, when you do it that way. So that's a pretty common tactic with any rules combo now where you have a full reroll aura instead of a modified reroll aura. It's very, very, very strong. Um, and I know why they made that change. They made that, that, that change to the rule because it's easier to understand. But it makes the full reroll aura, it's dramatically more powerful than the modified reroll aura that we had uh, previously. It's uh, it's one of the reasons why you're seeing so much less, uh, like plague bearers and stuff. Yeah, flyers. Yeah, they relied on you not being able to hit them, and now that you, especially space marines, reliably can, or or everybody, that we're seeing anybody with a full reroll aura now, it's it's reroll any of the dice. Um, it's really really taken the teeth out of those units in a big way. Like they're they're much much easier to destroy now. Yeah, and actually, there was a really elegant way to for GW to handle the issue of the AP one stack or the minus modifiers 
to hit modifiers, stacking those, would you see like Elder Flyers were like minus three or minus two to hit, um, instead of you know affecting that role and taking away from those models, uh, they just added something to the game in the form of just giving everyone full rerolls to hit. I would have much, much, well, because see, the thing is you can still get a unit that is literally not able to be shot. That's true. Right, you go minus three to hit and guard are like, sweet, we can't, we literally can't shoot you. And that's, a, in, my, in my mind, that's a terrible rules interaction. What I would have rather seen is cap uh, bonuses and negatives to hit at plus or minus one and keep the reroll aura the way it was. To me, that would have been the best of both worlds. Now you don't have things that are impossible to shoot uh, or you know extremely difficult to shoot, but that minus one is going to uh, carry a lot more weight than it does now where you're rerolling even you know the results you wouldn't have. Uh, but I agree with you. It, anything was better than where we were at. It's true. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, and it, the, 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 the crappy thing about it is, though, is that that was one of the very few Eldar lists that was actually hanging in there in the top meta. So as annoying and silly as it was to have non-interactive units, that really was one of the only things they had that was hanging in there. Um, we'll see as they adjust, as that gets taken away. But, uh, I, you know, it's like uh, shield drones. As annoying as they are, if you took those away from Tau, Tau would... Yeah. be horrible yeah i had brian pullen and richard siegler on on chapter tactics this week and they literally said like the old, old three units that make tau relevant are commanders riptides, riptides and shield and, drones. yeah and that's it and, and it it's it's true like as annoying as those units are to deal with like they they need them yeah so you know it's good with the bad all right let's take a look at the, the next little rule snippet for black templars epitome of piety uh it's a warlord trait and he can attempt to deny the witch as if he was uh, a psyker and he adds one to the test. Pretty cool. Um, Black Templars don't have psychers. They don't like the they don't like those witches. Um, so any you know they need to make up for that somehow with uh, uh, more uh, anti psyker defenses. And then you could imagine that they maybe have extra abilities in other categories to help make up for the lack of psychic powers yeah this is just a good rule to have for I, I think every codex should have something similar to this just some at least one way to deal with psychers um obviously some factions don't have a way to deal with psychers but um, it's just tower the only like faction this. that have literally nothing do necrons have i don't play yeah. enough necrons unfortunately they have uh they have the um scarab that has the gloom prism that it can take and it's a flat four up if i remember correctly it's a flat four up to deny oh, the witch good. just get just tau that's it the, and we're in the psychic awakening maybe the tau figured something out with all the psychic powers going on maybe it's like I, have. I always said like you just give them like an anti like a neuro scrambler drone or something like that like it'd be very easy to do like oh here's the new drone we just made that like screws up the brains of psychers we here we go like it there would be go. so easy to put that into the lore without breaking the the fluff guidelines that they're not psychic it's like sure they may not be psychic but they can see like well that guy's moving something with his <laughs> mind perhaps we should investigate this a little bit that's quite powerful so at any rate uh fires of devotion uh this is a new litany for a black Templar chaplain uh select one friendly black Templar's unit within six inches of this model if that unit makes a charge move or performs a heroic intervention add one to the attacks characteristic of models in that unit pretty good wow pretty good wow and this will make more sense why this is so strong when we get to some of the other faith and fury um uh, information that's been released but you can make a chaplain now uh, not a, a master of sanctity if i remember correctly you can make basically anybody you played in the old days when they used to have levels of characters um they're coming back to that like there was like 
you know, when they're librarians, you could be an epistolary and like a, mm. a master, master librarian, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're bringing that back in spirit. And now you can have a chaplain that can have two um, uh, prayers going at the same time. Yeah, and that one's really good. An extra it's attack on top, of, on top of Space Marines getting an extra attack from Shock Assault mm -hmm. um, is amazing. It's, it's really good. Yeah, so I mean, you, you could turn a big unit of um, uh, the Crusaders, where it's the mix of the Scouts and the Space Marines, you could give that big unit, just like start piling on buffs onto them. And when you have that many models, you're multiplying the effect of the buff dramatically. Yeah, and, and even one unit of angry close combat scouts, that's still 21 attacks coming from one five-man squad yeah, for be 55 four, points. Yeah. And then they could have four rerolls to hit on top of that. Yes. So it's, it's really, really strong. Uh, and then if they're doing automatic wounds on sixes on turn three yeah it's getting pretty nasty with ap1 uh here we got a stratagem shock and awe it's one command point uh use this stratagem in your charge phase select one black templar's infantry unit from your army that disembarked from the land raider crusader this turn until the end of that turn enemy units cannot fire overwatch at the selected unit and when resolving an attack made against that unit subtract one from the hit roll that is a ludicrously good one cp strat but you got to take a land raider crusader uh, the other thing is, is, is I'm reading that correctly, until the end of that turn it happens, does that mean when resolving an attack made against that unit subtract one from the hit roll? Is that only for the combat phase then? Um, the turn, if I remember correctly... Because the, the turn they come out would be the movement phase, they come out, then they charge you. You know, I'm drawing a blank if that's player turn or game turn, because that, that terminology has changed so many yeah. times. Yeah, it's a little weird. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think it's the player turn, but we can look it up. No. But, uh, I mean, that's amazing, though, because in the turn you go in, the counter punch against you is going to be dramatically uh, yeah, lower. they're not, not going to do it. I mean, giving Tau minus one to hit uh, in close combat. That's just, charge just ignoring Overwatch. The, no, ignoring Overwatch is really good. That's, that's, in, that's primarily what this is going to be used for, um, for people who use their Land Raider Crusaders. Well, I mean, it's, it's, the magic is that, unlike most of the no Overwatch abilities, it's you pick an enemy unit, that enemy, enemy unit cannot fire Overwatch. This one affects the whole unit. This unit cannot be overwatched. The only other time you see that is with White Scars with a Psychic Power, and it's insanely good, but there's a chance of failure because it's a Psychic Power. Um, or then you see it on like certain individual characters, um, like you know Raven yeah. Guard, you, you can do it, or like Smash Captain, you can take one guy, gets it, and even then it's insanely powerful. Now, imagine a unit of 16 models coming out of a Land Raider Crusader and denying Overwatch. If you can somehow get your Land Raider Crusader in position uh, to make use of this, that could defeat a Tau army almost single-handedly. Yeah, and they they do have sixteen model units. They have the Neophyte, the Crusader, Crusader units, squads. Yeah. So so that yeah, that is really good. You have a huge footprint, uh, and then on top of that, those Crusader squads are putting out a lot of damage potentially. What, three attacks a guy, or four, or four. Yeah. yeah, you can get up to four attacks a guy. If I, if I remember, I think the Crusaders can still take melee. They can like still a chain go pistol, chain sword. I think so. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of that is a lot of attacks. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. And like you said, though, it just it covers up a lot of territory, right? Like if you can get the crusader up, survive, then they get out and charge. You're that's you're you're going pretty much anywhere on the table at that point. Uh, and then we have a relic, the Sword of Judgment. Uh, it replaces a uh, power sword or master crafted power sword. And it's pretty dang good. It's strength plus one, AP three, three damage flat. Not bad. Yep, it's just a weaker thunder hammer, but it's a sword, so it's a free. It's not a free weapon, but power four, swords are a lot cheaper. Four points. Yeah, yeah, they're a lot cheaper than thunder hammers, so and not, it's not bad. No minus one to hit either. Yes. 
Yeah. And then there's all kinds of different ways you can modify, you know, other aspects of it too. All right, let's take a look at some of the uh, Sisters of Battle information that have been revealed. Uh, first off, coming in real hot with the Gaming Miracle Dice. This is an incredibly powerful ability. Uh, for anyone that played AOS, if you remember when Zinch was King of the Hill, they had a similar ability, but they got nine dice that you rolled at the beginning of the game, set them to the side, and you got to substitute them in for die rolls, and it was it was what made them yeah, it was so just, strong. The destiny dice were really, right? really powerful. This is like that, but even better. So it remains to be seen how strong or not it is. There's, there's some difference between this, and obviously AOS is a different game, but there you could leverage like certain models to like incredible effect. With this, it's not quite as, as crazy, but it's still ridiculously good. So uh, at the beginning of each uh, uh, battle round, Battle round is player turn. That's right. If no, it's not. That's game. Battle turn. round is the full game. It's game turn. That's right. I always, they always they keep changing the terminology, and I always forget. Uh, I wish they would just say game turn, player turn, but yeah, whatever. Um, so you gain one at the beginning of each battle round, and then throughout the course of a turn um, or phase, excuse me, uh, you get additional dice that you you roll it and you set it to the side and you keep it there, and then you can substitute it in. Uh, so if a unit from your army with the Axe of Faith ability destroys an enemy unit, you get a die. Uh, if one of your characters with the rule dies, you get a die. If you deny a psychic test, um, basically on a, you, every unit on a six up can stop a psychic check, if I remember correctly. I think they changed that actually. Basically, if one of your units that's like got the wimpy deny does it, you get a die. And then uh, if you roll an unmodified uh, morale chest check of a one, you get a die. So you can get a ton of these dice per turn and you're going to be getting them consistently because these are all really relatively common things to occur especially destroying an enemy unit yes um so yeah the the, the sisters the sisters are going to have be able to modify their die results a lot and that's obviously in a game of a relative game of chance it's extremely strong yeah it, um i i think so i have been seeing a lot of comparisons being drawn with the destiny dice obviously um as they are very similar rules um, I'm not I'm not sold on the this being strictly better than the Destiny dice rule because the Destiny dice it is nine dice that you roll before the game starts. With the Miracle dice, it's it's sectionalized, right? It's you don't get all nine dice right away, so you there's a potential for you to get dice and use dice, um, and then not have dice for other critical moments in the game. Um, so there's a lot less planning. It's a lot more uh, reactive, which is which is. Not necessarily better, but it is different. It's a different play style. And as we said, uh, there, were, there were some really powerful combinations that you could use the Zinch dice for that you don't necessarily have uh, with the Miracle dice. Um, I don't know if it's you can use the Miracle dice for any die roll. So if you bring like an Imperial Knight, for example, could you use the Miracle dice for no, the it's, it's save? If I remember correctly, it's only for the Sisters units. Okay. So, you, you have to have Acts of Faith, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so so then that is also another, that's also another uh, way that I think the Miracle dice is probably a little little worse than the change because the the destiny dice you could use that on like archaeon for example and um, they, they fixed a lot of it and that's why zinch oh, got I toned see. down they, they like it, all, that's out good. the gates it was insane you're like yeah. oh uh, i cast a, a, a psychic power or a, a spell that does 2d6 mortal wounds you're like oh that'll be 12 and you're like cool mm. yeah it, it was insane out the gates or like you were saying with archaeon he has an instant kill attack if you roll a certain number and you're like oh i did it so the sisters don't leverage it in the same way, in my opinion. Of course, when the book hits the the wild, so to speak, I'm sure that there's going to be some killer combos that appear. Yeah. But, you know, the sisters, 
it's more of like an MSU play style, in my opinion. Of course, we'll see what happens when the community gets their hands on it. So it's like in the example they use in the article, it's like, oh, you shoot somebody with a melted gun and you choose to make it six damage. That's like the, the extent of it. Now, that's really, really good. But that's kind of like, you know, at least what I can remember right now off the top of my head. That, that was like kind of like the extent of it. So it's not quite the same. Um, my counterpoint to what you were saying is that with Miracle Dice, you get a lot more of them you, typically. You can get a lot more of them, yeah. So it's you're, you're modifying dice, die rolls like left and right. Yeah. But then again, too, it's like entirely luck dependent, right? Like if you're like, yeah, you get to choose what, what you get to substitute that die roll in for another die roll. But if you're rolling badly on your Miracle Dice, it's not going to do you a whole lot of favors, right? Like if you're rolling all ones and twos, you're like, well, morale is going to be cool, but you know, these aren't really useful for anything yeah. else. So it, it's really going to depend, you know. But more importantly, it is strictly better than what Sisters had before, which was nothing. So it's, yeah. it's a lot better than that. No, I think people are going to be pretty happy with Sisters. Um, and then some of the new models coming out are so awesome. Um, that part of it, I think, is going to be really, really exciting. There's a bunch of new units. It's, it's, it's going to be very cool. Uh, here's another one. This is a Spirit of the Martyr. And uh, this, the, the sacred rites are like um, uh, doctrines. So you can choose which one of these are in effect at any given time, and then they give you certain uh, bonuses. Spirit of the Martyr is um, when a model with the sacred right is destroyed, uh, roll a d6, and on a five up, they can shoot or punch before they die as if they had like the Space Marine banner on them. Obviously, this is really, really good. Um, and if you're in a situation where you're going to take heavy casualties and you can uh, make sure that this is in effect, you're going to be taking a chunk of like a significant amount of damage can be dealt back to your opponent as you're taking it. Yeah, it's, it's army-wide, and more specifically, it's not limited to just infantry models. Uh, you could use this on exorcists. You could use this on the the Repentia engines, as well as characters. Um, it's it's really good. It's extremely it, it strong. Is re it's really, yeah. really strong. And that 5-plus um, might not seem like a big deal, uh, but when you take it across like a 50-60 model army, all of a sudden 10, 10 of those models are going to attack again uh, when they die. That, that increases your firepower by, you know, 10%. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's going to be, uh, no, it's, well, it's a 33% increase. Oh, 30%, 33% yeah, increase. As you're taking casualties. Yeah, but there's going to be all kinds of interesting scenarios where this is going to be, like, really, really useful, right? When you're, you're damaging your opponent in their turn um, on a unit that you know is going to take casualties. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm really excited to see, like, what kind of creative and crazy stuff people come up with this. Yeah. This is um, also really good with Miracle Dice. Any five plus, if you don't have anything to do with that miracle dice, it's just an automatic. You get to shoot again. My, my melted gun shoots again, or my heavy flamer shoots again before I take this model off the yeah. table. Um, yeah, or like my uh, the penitent engine punches you. Well, like your knight has three hit points left. Oh well, I'm gonna make sure my penitent engine punches you one more time and maybe takes you out. So it's it's gonna be really interesting to see how people utilize that because it's very good. Can you scroll up a little bit? Sure. Oh, that was the same one, my bad. Uh, the next one is called The Passion. Um, when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a model with this sa sacred rite, an unmodified hit roll of six scores one additional hit. Obviously, it's really good. And before anybody's like, what? Uh, Sisters of Battle, they have a lot of melee units now. And they have a couple melee units that are really good. Really good. So that's going to come into play more often than somebody may think lacking more information. Uh, Shield of Faith is the next one, uh, and this is the rule that they've had forever. Uh, models in this unit have a 6-up and vulnerable save. In addition, one model in this unit can attempt to uh, resist one psychic power in your opponent's psychic phase. 
In the same manner as a psycho by taking a deny the witch test, if that model is within 24 inches of the enemy model, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when taking the deny the witch test, roll 1d6 instead of 2d6. That's what it is. It's a deny on a d6. And if you do manage to successfully deny with 1d6, you get a miracle die. Now, I have a question about this because I, I, I read this earlier. Um, and so normally with deny the witch tests, uh, most armies have only a limited amount. Uh, librarians can only make one or two. Uh, you only get a few. They're usually limited to HQ choices. With this one, as I understand it, it's one model in the unit. So does that mean a 10-man unit or 10-woman unit can make 10 Deny the Witch rolls, potentially? I, um, I don't think so. If I remember correctly, you just the unit gets one attempt per unit. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I, I haven't, I haven't read the Deny the Witch it, It's not that great, to be honest. Like, it, the odds of you actually stopping someone are pretty low. But when it does happen, you stop the power and you got a Miracle Die. Also, Miracle Dice, if you roll a 6, your opponent rolls a 5 for their smite or a 6 for their key power. You're just like, ah, I rolled a 6 right here. Yeah, I mean, that's and like I, the only scenario when yeah. it even happens. It's not going to happen often. No, it's going to happen so rare. Like you said, they have to roll a 5, and then you have to roll a 6. Yeah, but you know you know, it's going to happen once, right? Like, they're going to cast the key psychic power to win the game. But most of the good psychic powers are a 6 or a 7 or better. Well, you know, one day. We're going to see it at a, a top table. I it's guarantee gonna, it. It's, it's going to stop happen. the first smite somebody casts in a phase one in six times. So, like, one turn in a game, you'll stop one smite. You have no faith. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just the way the math works out. It's the way I know the way these things work out really on the tabletop. They always happen at the worst times because of bad luck. Yeah, I mean, there will be those instances where it's the game-winning smite, and he's like, denied. You're like, no. Oh. And then you're just going to laugh, cackle. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's for the most part going to do absolutely nothing. It's largely a waste of time. <laughs> you're not even, I mean, the thing, the only time you even roll the check is if they rolled a five. That's it. Yes. So, at any rate, Zealots. When resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a model in this unit, you can re-roll the hit roll if that model's unit made a charge, move, was charged, intervened, etc. Basically, old school rule from anybody who's been playing previous editions, you get rerolls to hit when you charge. That's very good. And some of the units that have it, like the Arco Flagellants, um, they, they hit quite hard. So uh, very, very cool. All right. Let's take a look at uh, Faith and Fury. We got a little bit more of a, a glimpse into what else is in there besides the Black Templars. First of all, we have the table of contents. Take a look at that. Ton of stuff. Man, I wish I could talk more about some of the Chaos Space Marine stuff in there because let me tell you... Uh, some of the some of what's in here is going to be meta changing like 100 percent very very impactful to the game again if you're a chaos space marine player and you're expecting to get the full space marine treatment perhaps temper your expectations this is not a codex it's a supplement it's giving you a lot but um if you're expecting you know the moon and the stars you might not be you you, you might your disappointment might overwhelm seeing how much cool stuff you're actually getting. Mm. Um, and hilariously, Space Marines get a bunch of really, really good, powerful stuff that they <laughs> didn't need at all. Randomly. Yeah. Uh, I'm mostly looking forward to page 71 or page 95 uh, specifically. Those are the Night Lords name <laughs> generators and the World Eaters name generators. Uh, for two reasons. One, if you don't know, Reese is a little bit of a Night Lords fan. He's a little edgy, emo gentlemen well, that's um, that's raving guard oh you're right you're right Night Lords he, aren't, aren't he, he likes emo. to he likes to hide in the shadows just in his corners <laughs> typing so I, I you know it's interchangeable um but i'd like to just call him some night lords names on occasion also he listens to a lot of 
heavy metal albums just blasting it constantly from his shadowy corner and so i want to use the world leaders name generator to just be like oh hey reese have you seen skull reaver's new album and he'd be like oh yeah totally what's funny how many metal bands are named after things from 40k yes. <laughs> like it's hilarious when you see it you're like oh these guys are it's for as scary as they seem like like a lot of people are like oh metal especially like black metal and they're like oh these guys are gross i'm like they're just super nerds yes that's like they're just hardcore super duper nerdy guys <laughs> yeah, indeed 100 but but yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to, to seeing some funny names generated oh yeah um, the, the name generators are comedy gold uh they're pretty funny but uh, for what we can say uh, if you are a chaos space Marine player what you're getting some really cool stuff we can obviously talk about it more probably very soon here but um you're getting a lot of rules that are very flavorful to your legion and in my opinion a lot of them are, are quite good some of them are like 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 literally like the meta changing good there's a couple there's a couple in there that i think people will identify right away that um they're, they're gonna like completely change um the way a lot of armies are played in my opinion yeah, and, and most importantly, it's it's just going to add stuff to Chaos Space Marines that they didn't have before. Yeah. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, right now they're hanging on, you know, Chaos Space Marines are riding on the back of the uh, Disco Lord, and there's a couple of key characters that are really doing work, um, and that's they, they could use some help. Yes. They could use some help. All right, so first of all, <clears throat> Master of Sanctity, a 1CP stratagem, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Basically, it turns a chaplain into a super chaplain, and until the end of the battle, that gain that, that, that chaplain gains this keyword, and they know one additional litany, and they can recite one additional litany at the start of the battle round. So you can have two going off one chaplain. This is like massively powerful. Space Marines totally did not <laughs> in any way need it, but uh, here we are. Yeah. And if you weren't already using a chaplain in your Space Marine army, which they're really good, now it's like... There's just no reason not to. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bummed by this one because originally the only way to get a chaplain with two, uh, the ability to cast two litanies was uh, Chaplain Cassius out of the Ultramarines Codex or supplement. Um, and now every, but you know, you, chaplain you, you gets You don't have to spend to, a CP to do it though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And then you, but you can also put it on a jump pack chaplain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, it, yeah. Primaris chaplain. It, anyways, this is a really, really good stratagem. Chaplains have already been kind of, I don't want to say sleeper OP, but they've already been, already been really, really powerful. A lot of top players have been taking them. They have a lot of good rules, and they're also cheap, too, for what they bring to the table. And they're, they're good in melee as well. You yes. can make the slab chap hit like a champ if you want, but for me, I tell it like as a White Scars player, um, getting a plus two-inch charge advance bonus is already ridiculous. On an aura to all Yeah, an aura, and then on top of that, now I can get another one. It's like, whew, good night. Like... That's an auto-include, uh, especially for armies that want to get up and get close to the opponent. Because they have really good shooting buffs, too, but they're just not as, like, they're not as, like, universally applicable as some of the melee buffs are. Um, let's take a look at another one of the rules previewed, the highest scholar of the Librarius. This warlord can generate psychic powers from any discipline they can uh, know powers from regularly, rather than generating psychic powers from only one discipline. So good. Yeah. I, I love this one. Um, a lot of times when I'm building a librarian, I have to take two just to take two from like like a Phobos librarian and a regular librarian. I do the exact same thing. But now your librarian is literally a Swiss army knife, a librarian. Yeah. Uh, they can just, you know, pick uh, with the Phobos librarians. They have options from three 
psychic power trees that you can take uh and and you could definitely gear them to whatever you want to do with your with the game we're with them yeah i mean nuts this is such a powerful tool uh for space marines and you know that gets everyone excited 25 percent of the meta currently space marines these people are real stoked (laughs) the endurant protector is the next uh previewed uh rule snippet uh, it's a Master of the Forge model only. Add one to the toughness characteristic of a model with this relic. A model with this relic has a four-up and vulnerable save. And again, it's it's going back to the old uh, roots of uh, Space Marines where they had like levels to their um, characters. Uh, you might want to refresh your page, Mariana. And uh, back in the day, right, like you didn't just have a chapter master or whatever. You had uh, a lieutenant, a captain, and then you have the chapter master, and now we've kind of come back to that. And then with like librarians, there was like multiple levels to it. Yeah. You had like I can't remember. It was like the epistolary, the oh, it's like evading me now. The, All I remembered was the epistolary. The the plus the twenty five points to give them one mastery level was the epistolary. But you, they got like a wound and attack toughness in the old days, strength. This is before my time. Yeah, and they got another uh, power. It was crazy. Um, so you can do this with the Master of the Forge. Instead of just being a tech marine, they can be a uh, like the chief tech marine. Uh, Jimmy Norris subscribed. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Jimmy. Uh, 50 months. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Jimmy Norris. Wow. I hope your father, Chuck, is proud of the contribution you've made to small businesses in he's, America. He's been subscribed for as long as I've been with you guys. Or, well, maybe a little a little after. but it's yeah. over four years. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's a really long time. Really appreciate oh, it. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, so then we jump into some of the cool chaos stuff that's being previewed. Zal the Wrathful is one of the new demon weapons that is previewed. Uh, I think you can probably guess from this that there's going to be at least god-themed demon weapons. This one is for corn, and um, uh, its strength, uh, it's a melee weapon. It replaces a uh, power sword or hellforged sword and has the following rule. Uh, strength user, AP5, 2 damage. When rolling for this weapon's demon weapon ability... On a two plus, add a number to this weapon's strength characteristic equal to the result uh, at the end of the, until the end of oh this phase. Oh my gosh! So the way that the demon weapons work is they all have like a different ability. On a one, you still it's so annoying that on a one you still randomly stab yourself and you don't <laughs> don't use the weapon. At least you can attack. If I remember correctly, you can still attack. You just can't attack with that weapon. It's so silly, but it's wacky and wild. So this, you could put it on a demon, uh, demon prince or um, just, you know, like on a normal lord. And one of the things that I've always felt Chaos Space Marines really lacked is they lacked cool generic uh, relics. Like they, in their codex, they don't have a lot of options. Like when I play my Red Corsairs and like their Warlord trade is, oh, and you get an extra free relic. I'm like, I don't, half the time I don't even take it because there's nothing to take. And so the demon weapons definitely give you some more cool options, right? And if you put this on like a, a demon prince of corn with all the extra attacks, his strength can go up ludicrously high. You know, if you don't have an invul save, you're not getting a save at all. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like it. And shout out to uh, the game designers here because I love this one from more uh, from a game design or fluff perspective as well. The the weapon's name is Zal the Wrathful. There's no indication that it's a power sword in the name, which is cool. And also, if you look at its weapon profile under weapon, it just says Zal which is the name of the sword. So <laughs> it's the name of the demon. The name of the demon in the sword. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 just, I, I just like little changes like that. I've always been a big fan when when game designers tweak little things like that for flavor reasons. 
Um, and I just I just like that just Zal is the weapon, and you know it's very clear that Zal the Greater Demon is the one attacking. That's who you're using. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, is it going to be like setting the metal on fire? Perhaps not, but it's cool and it's another option. All right, Demon Weapon, and this is just giving us more of an outline of what they are in the fight phase when this model is chosen to fight. Uh, fight with for the first time that phase roll 1d6 on a 1 the model suffers one mortal wound and cannot use that weapon further on a 2 plus the model can fight with the weapon you know what would be really cool if you could if you could give after thousands of years of training I challenge you loyal lapdog of the <laughs> emperor to a duel of honor God! <laughs> uh, you know what would be really cool is if you and then the give... space marines fall down laughing at the idiot who poked himself in the eye with his own sword. Well, I think they just fall down laughing anyways. When you, they, imagine that like if it's a movie, right? Like, here's the big scene, the big bad guy versus the good guy. It's been building up to this crescendo, this like clash of titans. And then in the background, the demon guy rolls a one and they're getting ready to go fight. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to fight. You know, wouldn't that be the dumbest be, ending to a movie ever, or the best ending to a movie <laughs> ever? Um, but but on this demon weapon keyword, I really like. I, I would really like. It'd be cool if you gave this to like an enemy unit. You made their unit their weapons demon weapons. I, I think that'd be a cool little like twist to it. Also makes sense too. I'm in a, I'm in a game design mood. I've, I've never enjoyed the rule for demon weapons, like especially with Abaddon, when like the king badass. <laughs> And then you're just like, come on. You should definitely not suffer from the demon weapon. Like this guy's game. been around for 10,000 years. He hasn't learned how to control this thing yet. Still 16% of the time it backfires on him. Ugh. Anyway. All right. ITC news and updates. Uh, as always, if you like the ITC, you uh, feel like it's been good for your hobby and you would like to support it financially to help alleviate uh, the very significant cost of running it, you can support it via our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, 100% of the proceeds go back into the ITC. And for all of you that are current uh, Patreons, we genuinely really appreciate it. Um, like I said, it, it's gotten really expensive to run this thing. Uh, it's good for the company, though. Not to say it's only a drain. It's not. It's just in terms of money and man hours, it's gotten significant. So people that do choose to support it, we really appreciate it. It helps to ensure the future of it. Uh, upcoming uh, events this weekend, there is a gazillion that's a real number. Gazillion? It's that many right there. Oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> so uh, this weekend, it's interesting because we have such a wide breadth of geography covered. And we have an event in Beijing, China. Uh, we have our first event in um, uh, Buenos Aires down in Argentina, if you want to go get a game in there. Uh, and then beyond that, there's, there's a ton of GTs and majors. Sweden, <clears throat> Iceland. Yeah. Uh, yep. All over the world. The sun never sets on the ITC. Mm, I like that. This is why we pay him the big bucks. <laughs> uh, so we have, uh, gosh, seven GT Plus events this coming weekend. Uh, the first one, we have the PFF Weimar 40K ITC Tournament in West Palm Beach, Florida. Now that sounds like a fun time. Absolutely. Have you ever been to Palm Beach? I've never been to West Palm Beach, Florida. Oh, Please. it's a fun place. Oh, is that where you took that picture? That, that people... <laughs> no. All right. That was in Mexico. but oh, Same idea. Uh, uh, we have the Old Wolf... 2000 GT in Chandler, Arizona. Not, not what are, we, are we handing this back and forth here? Oh, yeah. I figured, I figured we could just take the reins. Sure. Twisted Onslaught 2. And that's in Leighton Buzzard. That is the most English name for a town I've ever heard in my life. Is that a real name? Leighton Buzzard? Leighton Buzzard. 
in Bradfordshire, UK. Yeah, that's, that's a, what, is that the name of that like sounds the, like a pub. Vin, maybe it's like the venue. Yeah, the Leighton Buzzard. The best I like pub. That. I uh, they have the funniest names for pubs in the UK. My favorite one that we went to was called the Fat Bear. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my kind of pub. <laughs> Freaking, <laughs> I went to one called the Mudlark. Like. But the fat bear was was the best. And then the picture was a bear drinking a beer. I was like, oh, I'm in. Simple. Uh, let me see. The Emperor's Annual 2019 GT in Montrose, Canada. Uh, then we got the Stumptown Stomp, which is an amazing name. That's a major in Portland, Oregon. Uh, with Kent, two, Tournament 2019 Winter GT in Kent, UK. And then we got the Armageddon Series Coastal Assault 40K ITC Tournament in Okaloosa Island, Florida. Ooh. Uh, and then finally, we have the Alliance Open uh, happening in the Netherlands. This is a Dutch Grand Tournament. This is one that a lot of people are keeping their eyes on. Uh, 40K Stat Center uh, was talking about this uh, in the group chat, um, and this should be a really good big event. So that's, yeah. that's that and Armageddon Series um, and the Stumptown Stomp are the three majors for for the weekend and um, I keep an eye out for those if you want to keep tabs on the meta uh, and figure out where space Marines are heading. Well, it's interesting too, because looking at the results from last weekend, we had a, a couple really big events. There's a Warzone ATL. Um, you had some big events in the UK as well. It seems like iron hands are running rampant in the UK, but Imperial fists are emerging as the more popular choice choice in the UK and in Europe. So it's, it's really interesting to see, the difference there right and now that everyone's pretty much playing the same missions i wonder what the difference is yeah and and it, those regional differences and uh, those regional meadows have always been so fascinating um and i love that the itc is growing because we actually get to see them more um on the richard siegler and brian pullen podcast we talked a little bit about uh the southeast coast meta uh and uh basically there's a lot more tau players there than everywhere else um for example warzone atlanta there was more tau players uh, percentage-wise than any other major so far in the last couple months. That's interesting. Um, so it's that that's where the Tau meta is, if you're if you're wondering, everyone. So if you like Tau, you gotta go you down know. to the. Dirty, there's also some really good Tau players there. The, the, the dirty, Sigler. dirty down south is where you get the Tau, the, the, the Tau mojo. Yeah, I never would have guessed. <laughs> uh, you got Master P playing Tau down there. <laughs> I love it. That's great. All right, uh, upcoming Age of Sigmar ITC events a little. A little slow for the month of November as we head into the holiday season, which is pretty normal. 40K used to be the exact same way. Uh, but we have a, a number of events coming up for, throughout the rest of the month. Check out the calendar. Get out there. Participate. Get your points. Well, let's take a look at the 40K ITC top five. Start to get pretty cemented in. It, it, the movement becomes pretty minor as we come into the very tail end of the season here. Um, although we did see Nick Rose jump up in the standings quite a bit, which is good for him. But first place, Mr. Jim Vessel with uh, 1,192 points. It's a very significant lead. It's going to be very difficult for anybody to overcome him. If he does make the top eight at the LVO, he pretty much has it sewn up. Kind of like, takes away from the drama a little bit, but you know what? He earned it, right? Like he's won so many events this season. It's been crazy. Yeah, and, and he has been stumbling a little lately. Uh, he's been having a hard time because uh, his demon list that he's been dominating with all year uh, was kind of uh, countered by Space Marine lists, specifically yeah. ones that killed Plague Bearers and Hordes. Uh, and he, this is something he said as well, um, and he's gone on record as saying. So it, it'll be really interesting to see what he goes to going into the LVO. Uh, traditionally, the ITC champion or the person who's been has been the person who's been number one throughout the whole year. If you look at like Matt Root, uh, uh, PJ Pants, Brandon Grant, uh, all those those gentlemen all basically were top 
the top number one player at ITC for pretty much the entire year. Well, they were in the top ten almost the entire year. Well, they were certainly in the top hovering 10. at the top. Yeah. Yeah, but Matt, like Matt Root um, and PJ Pan specifically, were were like number one or number two constantly. Uh, and then of course they they didn't they they faltered a little sometimes during the year. Maybe they didn't go to events, but every LVO they rallied and managed to pull it off and win the whole thing. So uh, Jim, even though he is down, I would definitely he's still my pick to win the ITC champion at the LVO just by nature of that trend. He's also an amazing player too. So. He, he's very good. And like he had a rough go of it at the SoCal Open, so we'll see how he uh, uh, adapts and adjusts. Because these other players in the, the hunt to win it, they could definitely steal his crown. Absolutely. But really, like, I was, I was going over the numbers with Garrett uh, from BCP, and we were like, yeah, it looks like if Jim makes the top eight, he's probably got it sealed up. Like, so that for him, that's the, 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 he can breathe a sigh of relief. He may not win the LVO, but if he can get his, you know, get in there and get across the finish line, it will be the end to an incredible season. Because especially in the beginning of the season, he was like a force of nature, just smashing everybody. Yeah. Uh, but then we got Nick Rose, who's jumped up into second place. Nick has come on real hot here in the end of the season with iron hands. Um, he's got a, a very strong list. He's been doing really well. He's won a couple of events, and that's bumped him right back up into it. He was playing Gene Sealer Colt previously, but he jumped on that Space Marine hype train. But uh, third place, Richard Siegler defeated him at the Nova Open in a, an amazing game. Uh, and he's sitting strong in third. Nick Nonavati, who sandbagged it all season, coming in hot here, fourth place. And then John Lennon, who's teammates with Richard Siegler, is in a very strong position in fifth. He also jumped from the Gene Steeler bandwagon onto the Iron Hands hype train. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of the a lot of that team, Team Brohammer, uh, they did jump to Space yeah. Marines. Ruben Fernandez as well. Same thing, jumped onto Space Marines. Um, and they're all really phenomenal players too. Uh, so and that, that is a trend that you're going to see. Manny Chima in sixth place right under John Lennon. Same thing. He's playing Imperial Fist. Yeah, so. he, he's actually um, there. There are a lot of really good players are talking about his list in particular, um, and that it's kind of a unique Imperial Fist list. Uh, I haven't looked into it because uh, I just found this information out recently, but uh, check him out in his latest tournament. Check his list out on BCP. Yeah, and then uh, I'm working with Manny right now. He will. It looks like be teaching a masterclass at the LVO. It's something new for tactics and strategies. So if you want to learn from a very good player, uh, keep your eye on Frontline Gaming and we will announce when those tickets are for sale. All right, 40K ITC Hobby Track, current top five. Jim continues to lead the pack uh, with a very significant lead. Uh, Lou Rollins, who won it last year, sitting pretty in second. Paul Winters in third. Uh, Dominique Corretz in fourth. And TJ Lanigan in fifth. I love it. I, lo I love that, that more and more people are taking a part of the hobby track. Uh, and then I also like that the number one player in the hobby track is also the number one player in the ITC too. Yeah, it's uh, it just goes to to show a lot of people who think that you're either one or the other. It's just not not the case. No. Uh, Age of Sigmar current top five competitive track. The French Overlord Jeremy Vessier is sitting strong in first place with a significant lead over second place Alexander Gonzalez, and in third we have Anthony Lawrence. Fourth Matt Pashby. And fifth is Chris Bergman. Well done to them. Uh, Age of Sigmar hobby track. We have Rich Waters in first place. Jeremy Vessier, who is also first place competitive track. He's second place hobby track. Again, nice to see that overlap. He's in second. Matt Beasley in third. Alex Gonzalez, who is in second place in the competitive track, is in fourth on the hobby track. And Matthias Crucial in fifth. Well done to all of them. 
Uh, your current Shade Spire, although I was recently told it's not Shade Spire, it's un- Warhammer yeah, it's Underworlds. Underworlds. I guess Shade Spire was like the name of the first release. Yes. Ah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Warhammer Underworlds. Wings. Warhammer Underworlds, excuse me. Uh, current top five, Ivan Cho leading the pack with a very significant lead. Uh, also the only one with four scores, though, so that could be chipped away. Tony Field in second, Matthew Martin in third, Daniel Velasquez in fourth, and Philip Santamaria in fifth. I want to give a shout-out to Tony Field in second place in the Underworlds. Um, he's, he's a gentleman who was actually at Delvio, uh, made the top tables at this the Grand Clash at Delvio, and um, he's he's just been super, super cool. Um, with helping with the underworlds uh, and asking questions and just just Tony's Tony's been a cool guy so I just wanted to give him a special shout out yeah that's awesome and we have Kill Team current top five and this is one that's really taken off they have fully embraced the ITC the Kill Team uh, community and they're having a lot of fun with it Michael T. Holy is in first place with a fairly significant lead he did extremely well he got first and second in the two events at the SoCal Open Alex Torbert uh, who I'm sure would have done very well at SoCal Open but he helped run it he is in second, uh, Janice Gilhelm in third, George Rollins in fourth, and Matthew Hole in fifth. Yeah, I love Kill Team's picking up a lot. Uh, I, I like that it's the people who run it are, are really intelligent, competitive players um, who love the game. Uh, and it looks just so interesting. It looks so intricate. Uh, it, it was exactly what I wasn't expecting. Um, I, you know, I was expecting Kill Team to be watered down 40K, and that's very much not what it is. Um, and I've very seriously, seriously considered jumping into it a few times. Um, and it's just cool to see them grow. It's a fun game, and it's a it's a great entryway game too. Obviously, the 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 barrier to entry is much lower. Yes. And the rules, from what I've been told, I still have not played it, but from what I've been told, the rules are excellent for the game. So. Yeah. Very cool. All right, let's take a look at a couple of commissions that we recently completed. Very apropos, considering that The Mandalorian just debuted. Yesterday, I have yet to watch it, but I've heard it's amazing. Here are some Star Wars models that were painted by the FLG Paint Studio. Uh, very cool basing, excellent paint scheme. Gorgeous. I believe, is this Imperial Assault? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not I sure. It, I, don't I, think think, I don't think it's Legion. I think it is Imperial Assault. Yeah, I, I get the two mixed up because they're the same thing, essentially. Yeah. I think the scale is different. Love the droids. Yeah. But, you know, just some really, really cool. Um, Director Kremnik. From the, he's from the Rogue One movie. Yep. Yeah. No, this is a super. These are super cool models. Yeah, and I like the the custom bases. I believe the bases light up too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Pretty neat. So consider the Frontline Gaming Paint Studio for your next miniatures commission. We're always taking new work, and if you would like to try your hand at painting with us, go ahead and submit your application through the link on the site flgpaintstudio.com. Let's jump in and answer some questions before before we go on i do have a, a bit of a psa for everyone so the new sisters of battle box set uh this is going to be extremely extremely popular um so make sure to go to frontline gaming immediately saturday when it releases and uh buy those because everywhere everywhere is going to sell out yeah, all of them probably there we've already got word from gw that they're going to be um, limited that they're not going to have enough for everyone coming right out of the gate, which makes sense because it's such a popular release. Uh, and GW knows this, so I imagine there will be a lot of those boxes in circulation, but we're probably going to see them sell out. So don't don't wait till Monday. Uh, get those as soon as you can. I don't want people. I don't want to see people get left out because it has everything you need to run the army right out of the gate. It has the codex, cool models, um, and a lot of other stuff as well. So. Get that box set. Yeah, this one's going to be red red hot. Yes. So if you want it, 
Don't wait. All right. I know. Subscribe. You can scroll down. Okay. Um, scroll to, uh, subscribe for three months. Thank you so much. BuzzJ, 13-month subscription. Thank you so much. Uh, somebody said I hated Atlanta in the chat. Get out of here. I love the ATL. It's a fun city. Uh, Stiff Neck Studio, you will always be able to get the Sisters of Battle box set for $650 on eBay. Not through our secondhand store. I would never do that to you customers. But yes, there, there will be some people who have that box set um, and mark up the price quite a bit. And that uh, is unfortunate. Max Lee says, Reese, out of five Grey Knight Terminators, how good are the new Night Lords rules? Um, they're pretty dang good. Uh, five out of five Grey Knight Paladins. Well, I, okay, I wouldn't give them five. If, if they got the, if it was like the full like space range treatment, it'd be five out of five, right? But as it's not, four out of five Grey Knight Terminators for the new Night Lords. So pretty good. It, it's, there's, I was so excited when I read the rules. Like, they're really, really, really good. I wish I could say more, but I think, uh, I, will, I will say this. I think Night Lords are going to be one of the most impactful things out of that book on the meta. I'll say that. They're, oh, it's, they're really good. It's going to be awesome to see what people do with it, if anything. <laughs> I, hope, I hope, I'm sure they will. It's so strong, I don't imagine that they wouldn't, but we'll see. Uh, Adam F Swim says, I'm a local in Las Vegas and would be would like to uh, have a relic I want to give you guys. Oh, okay. Uh, mysterious. Um, let me see. Tomodachi Express. How's the move going? Uh, so most of us are still here in San Diego. Frankie and some of the other staff are in um, uh, Boulder City right now. Uh, you know, moving with a bunch of industrial equipment and everything is always a challenge. Frankie's been a little stressed out, but he's doing a good job. And, um, you know, it's, it's just difficult. There's always, it's not, you know, some of the machinery and the equipment we have, it's not like plugging in your toaster into the wall. Like it's, it's complicated, but they uh they're getting everything up and running and uh, like i said we'll, we'll be open for business in january there uh but we'll be continuing business as normal here in san diego until that time uh trevor wants to know if we can go into detail on what counts as an imperial agents model imperial agents army for the itc um i don't i can't do that off the top of my head unfortunately um it should be on the uh, itc um faction guide I don't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, as I understand. I think it's like Talons. It was like Talons the Emperor. Like, yeah, as I understand, though, there's I guess there's some rules with uh, Inquisition that got leaked or, well, or maybe me, released. Let me ask you a question. Are you actually playing them? Right? Because people email me this question. I feel like it's just academic. Like, are you really playing an all Inquisition army? What you don't know, it's actually Michael Snyder and all of those emails. Oh, yeah. Just that. He's just, just trolling me per usual. So with the, with the, um, the White Dwarf rules for the Inquisitors, how you can put them into an army and they don't break your... your Faction, I, I can't remember exactly what those say. I'll go back and double check, and we'll up, we'll update the um, uh, we'll update the faction guide if needs be. Um, but I, I can't remember exactly what it says with the Inquisitor, like because I remember you could put them into any faction. Um, you don't have to have your own detachment for them, which is great for like Inquisitor um, uh, Gray Facts, whom I enjoy using quite a bit. Uh, but I, I can't remember exactly what it says in regards to what it does for the other faction. Uh, buh, buh, buh. Um, our Imperial Army is going to be ITC Pure if they add an Inquisitor character. And yeah, I was just answering that question. I can't remember what the White Dwarf said exactly. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, we'll answer that question on the next show. Uh, buh, buh, buh. We're going to need a video tour once you're situated. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the new the new facility in Boulder City is not like the fanciest thing ever. It's very utilitarian. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to come by, feel free. Please do. We'll have all of the product up for sale. You can browse the secondhand shop, all that fun stuff. Get some uh, some good deals. Adam Swim, it's the wooden sword from the very first uh, LVO Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Oh, wow. Wow. That's awesome. Gosh, yeah. And then the next year, we had that crazy, like, real steel shield that I was like, oh, this thing is, like, gnarly, man. If someone drops this on their foot, they're going to break their toe. Uh, bah, bah, bah. And there's people talking about the Inquisitor. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just don't know off the top of my head, guys. I apologize. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know what it, what it says. We worked on those rules ages ago, and I don't remember it all off the top of my head. Uh, Trevier says, yes, he is playing Inquisition in my face. Uh, that has an Inquisition detachment and an Assassin detachment. Does it count as Imperial? I, I don't remember. Um, I, there's, I just, my, my, my feeble brain doesn't contain all the information necessary uh, to access at a moment's notice. I apologize for that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go in and double check. I've been asking, getting asked that question a lot lately. And then we'll up, uh, update it if needs be. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline, number 662. Jesus. That is a lot. That is a lot of episodes. That is a lot of talking about 40K that we've done uh, over the years. Tomodachi Express says he loves the new co-host. Well, let's not pump up his ego too much, all right? He's talking about you, Reese. He's talking about you. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, check out the other podcasts on the FLGN Frontline Gaming Podcast Network, we have all kinds of very interesting and, and engaging content on uh, The Art of War. They interviewed uh, Brian Poland. It's a really, really good episode. Brian is extremely intelligent, very good player. Uh, chapter Tactics, I haven't listened to the newest one yet, but it sounds like it's a great episode. And then, of course, 40K Stat Center is always awesome. Uh, they go over what happened in last weekend's tournaments told by the victors and the TOs themselves, and then a lot of really bad Canadian dad jokes. From Val and Peter. (laughs) All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you all next week.